Welcome to Swift Unwrapped, a weekly podcast about the Swift programming language and other projects at swift.org. I'm Jesse Squires. And I'm JP Smartin. Today's episode is brought to you by BitRise. BitRise is a mobile continuous integration and delivery service for your whole team. Uh, it has dozens of integrations with all your favorite services, and they have a lot of new features uh, to that that you should try out. Um, you can do builds, tests, deploys. They have an automatic platform. They even have virtual device testing. Uh, and they're also hiring. So if you're looking for work, uh, that's not a bad place to look. Um, they have a handful of uh, really nice iOS-related uh, features, um, such as automatic provisioning profile management. Uh, so if you're tired of manually provisioning your apps or if you um, uh, found it complicated in the past to um, set up remote CI code signing, uh, this is a feature for you. So you should try out their iOS auto-provisioning step. Uh, which is in beta, but uh, it's really worth trying out. They also have uh, this interesting feature called um, recursive touch, uh, or recursive caching, rather, which apparently enables 60% faster builds. Who doesn't like faster builds? So you should try it out. Uh, they're at bitrise.io. Our thanks to Bitrise for sponsoring the show. Yeah, so today we're talking about a handful of proposals to uh, improve sequence and uh, collection, uh, mostly changes to uh, the standard library, uh, some additions and some uh, modifications. Uh, the first is uh, from Ben Cohen, uh, adding a remove all where uh, function to collection. All right, so in this case, um, the, the reason why uh, this is a worthwhile addition um, is that uh, it can actually be a little tricky to implement uh, either correctly or efficiently. Um, it's usually easy to do one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> it can be efficient and incorrect or correct and inefficient. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why this is a good addition to the standard library. Yeah, currently to get this kind of behavior or result, you would... Uh, filter and then reassign to the original variable, which I actually do all the time. Um, and so if you think of filter as a function that takes a closure that determines which elements to keep in that collection, then remove all is determining which elements to remove uh, from that collection. Right. And if, if you've uh, done this yourself, um, you've probably struggled a little bit with uh, the fact that uh, since filter uh, keeps elements that pass the closure, uh, you need to negate that closure. Yeah. Right. So you can't just pass a function to this closure because you can't just negate a function. You have to pass in a closure that calls the function and then negates the result, mm -hmm. which uh, is harder to read. Mm -hmm. For sure. But it also has performance issues where you're not actually um, reusing the memory that was used for the original collection. Uh, and if this is a mutatable uh, or a mutable 
range replaceable collection, then you definitely could reuse that memory. Why not? Right? It's already there. The elements are already in there. Yeah. Um, the name filter is also somewhat ambiguous. Uh, anyway, um, at first glance, it's not actually 100% clear if you are keeping or removing based on what the closure that you pass in. Uh, so that's also kind of uh, a gray area. I guess that this kind of helps address um, at least by providing this more explicit function. Yeah, it it, uh, it helps the negative case, but uh, yeah. if filter is ambiguous, then you know, filter is still used for the positive case, right? I yeah. think you've stumbled onto uh, a bit of a hornet's nest there right. where uh, I, I do think that there's something to what you're saying where, um, especially for a non-native English speaker, seeing saying filter and being aware of what it means more or less um, – it's not necessarily clear uh, if this is the first time that you're exposed to that concept, if that's keeping or removing, right. filtering in or filtering out. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. Um. <laughs> yeah, maybe Yeah. Maybe we should add filter in and filter out instead. <laughs> uh, remove in and remove out. How about that? <laughs> yeah, we'll compromise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so really the implementation here is uh, pretty... Uh, straightforward, I guess. And uh, one thing noted in the proposed solution is, you know, for dictionary and set and uh, even string, also mutable collections, uh, they can provide a concrete override. So the, the new function would be defined on the protocol with some default implementation. Uh, but these other uh, concrete types could benefit from, you know, explicitly uh, optimizing the impl implementation of remove all. Um, right. So this method is called remove all where um, and can essentially be considered like a uh, specialization of the remove all or, or rather the existing remove all method that's on range replaceable collection can be seen as a specialization of this remove all where, mm. where for example, conceptually, anyway, the closer just returns true. Right. Oh, so what if you negate the remove all where closure? Then we're back to the same spot with filter. Not at all, because yeah. you're still removing. You're yeah. just removing other things. Right. You're keeping. So. It's, <laughs> it, yeah, it gets uh, Boolean logic, I tell you. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> yep. Uh, speaking of naming and confusion. Uh, the next proposal is about renaming sequence.elements equal, which is actually a function that I didn't even know existed. Uh, I've never used that. Uh, but it is different from, uh, it is distinct from using the equal equal operator in that it also uh, compares um, the indexes of elements uh, or indices, if you will. So that means calling elements equal um, on two sequences will determine if uh, the elements are all equal and in the same order, uh, where equal equal does not compare order. 
Right. So equal, equal, and equality, generally speaking, uh, as far as Swift chooses to uh, embrace the concept, is really about substitutability. Where, um, for example, this is this is how value types are even a thing. Where uh, two different instances of a value type with, um, you know, out from the outside identical values for its properties should be uh, should be equal to one another because you can substitute one with the other and get the same results basically everywhere. Um, so the the substitutability of two sequences. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that all of its elements uh, are in the same order or even that it, you know, in the abstract or even that it has the same number of elements mm -hmm. or that it has even the same type of elements, right? Like you, you can imagine, um, you know, a, a not super useful type that just has gibberish for its contents um, and is really just used as a sentinel value. And it always equals other types of it because it's entirely substitutable in every use, mm -hmm. at which point you'd say, well, they're equatable. Um, but the elements equal, uh, as it stands today, is, is entirely different. It's about, for sequence... Which, keep in mind, if you're operating on a sequence, you don't necessarily know how further constrained that type can be. You don't know that this sequence is also a collection, for example. Or you don't know that this sequence is um, is an ordered type or not ordered type, like set or array. Um, all you really know is that you can iterate on it. And you can ask it for its next value, next value, next value, and eventually it might stop returning values. That's it. Um, and so in this case, this is probably where conformance to protocols starts to break down a little bit, mm -hmm. or at least you start to have leaky abstractions. So in this case, elements equal isn't super relevant to call on set type, uh, on, on types with set semantics. Right. Uh, hashable collections or non unordered Unordered collections. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so dictionary would be in there as well. So really, it's actually, uh, it's somewhat confusing uh, to call elements equal on set or dictionary because it's very ambiguous uh, what that even means. Um, if those, if, if you call elements equal on two sets with a single element, uh, that will be true. But for n elements, uh, it could be true or false based on whether those elements just happen to be in the same order. Whereas equal equal will always be true if they contain uh, the same elements. Uh, so definitely some kind of odd uh, behavior there, which was pointed out, pointed out by um, Old Begaman on uh, Twitter. Right. But however, there are actually uses for it, you know, and, and part of the discussion of the proposal uh, did entertain the idea of just removing this from the standard library. Uh, and hey, well, if you want to test equality, just use equal equals. But um, it, uh, it is actually a useful and non-redundant feature um, of the standard library because you can compare um, two different sequences that have the same element type together. Uh, for example, you know, one one example they give here in the proposal is if you want to compare an unsafe 
buffer pointer of int to an instance of an, an array of int, uh, then you can use this elements equal without having to say like transform the buffer into an array. So definitely useful to do, and, and ultimately um, the the biggest issue is that it was this was an order dependent operation that uh, its name didn't reflect uh, how it was order dependent, so it was just a little misleading. Um, also, the fact that uh, it, you can't really, in a type safe way, opt out of um, protocol uh, members if you have a type for which it would be a leaky abstraction. For example, you can't say that set conforms to sequence but doesn't have elements equal. You would need right. a new protocol for this, at which point it isn't super useful if you want to compare two arbitrary sequences. You have to compare two arbitrary sequences that also conform to this uh, elements equal. Yeah, elements equatable. Oh, yeah. no, it's terrible. Yeah. Right. So this is um, the least bad of all approaches. Yeah. Um, and so similar to um, some existing methods like first, last, prefix, suffix, lexicographically precedes, uh, the proposal here um, is to name this, uh, to rename this method elements equal in iteration order uh, to kind of clarify and reinforce that order is part of what's being compared here. Yeah, so this is probably not a very frequently used uh, method, um, so you're unlikely to be affected by this change. And this uh, review is, is still uh, ongoing. Um, it's uh, it, it's slated to be complete April 6th, so by the time you listen to this, uh, this will either have been accepted perhaps with revisions or not, or rejected. So uh, keep an eye out for that, SE203. Yeah, and it looks like it will. the plan is to deprecate the old spelling in Swift 5 and uh, I guess presumably remove it uh, shortly after that. Although it is, I, I think, like you said, people will probably be affected by this pretty... Uh, not very much, but it's still kind of. Uh, it's interesting. Like even after Swift five, we're still going to be making like breaking changes. Essentially, um, does the proposal say that it would actually be marked as deprecated in Swift five? Uh, yeah, and the uh, detailed design down here. Um, oh yeah, deprecated Swift five and renamed. Yeah. So the one of the problems with uh, and you know we'll take a little detour here. One of the problems with um, deprecations and removals and renames and source compatibility is that uh, for Swift 5 to be source compatible with all versions of Swift 5, Swift 5.x, uh, you can't deprecate it in 5.0 and remove it in uh, 5.2, right? Um, so what would need to happen is say like in Swift 4.2, uh, this could be marked as deprecated and then in 5.0, it could be removed or in, in any 5.x version um, if you want to stay more or less source compatible. Yeah, um, maybe that is what they'll end up doing. Hopefully, actually, um, I think that would be better than deprecating in Swift 5. Well, it's also possible to only deprecate um, 
you know, if if this is essentially a type alias or um, yeah. a thin wrapper that really just calls into uh, the non-deprecated version, then um, if you have an old Swift app or program from Swift three days uh, mm-hmm. or Swift four days uh, that should still compile with Swift five, um, then you know why add that additional constraint when at least you can just get a warning and have the code still work. Right. Right. So the uh, next proposal, uh, more similar to uh, the first one we discussed with remove all where, is uh, Nate Cook's proposal on uh, adding last where and last index where, uh, which is similar to the existing first where method and uh, index of method. These two will start at the beginning of uh, a sequence and given like for the given closure they will return uh, the first element that meets that condition for first where so the idea behind last where is that uh, you do the same thing but you just start at the end right and it's possible to do this uh, today but um, <laughs> the proposal points out that uh, it's it's frankly appalling and it is an unholy incantation <laughs> some <laughs> right. of the most poetic wording that I've seen in a proposal so kudos to Nate Cook for uh, coming up with uh, some some good phrasing like this um, and this is just going to sound like gibberish over uh, an audio podcast, but I'm still going to try and read <laughs> yeah. what the implementation of uh, basically a single line last index where uh, with a closure would look like. So you have uh, an array called A. So you call reversed on that, and then you call index where um, and whatever you have your matching closure. And, and then you call base on there, which is... Which is what exactly? I am not totally sure. Base is, uh, that's being called on uh, an optionally changed index of this collection. So it's it's a base representation of the index. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what that is. And then you map that to, um, and this is the optional map, uh, to a.index before whatever this base member is. Uh, so that's passed in, a, in an optional map closure. Um, so it's, it's really about like four to five times as long as it really should be. If you were calling this like last index where, right. Not to mention probably massively inefficient. Yes. Uh, compared to like what you could do just with, a uh, with a proper last where implementation. Yeah, so th- this ticks off a lot of boxes in terms of uh, you know the recent talk by Ben Cohen on you know what makes a good Swift standard library contribution, where um, it's uh, kind of complicated to write if you do it yourself. Uh, it's error prone. It's easy to be inefficient, um, and yeah, very it's easy not very to get readable. this wrong Absolutely. for sure. Yeah, I mean the fact that neither of us are really sure what base, uh, what the base property on uh, yeah. an index type is, uh, speaks to that. Yeah, exactly. There's one interesting alternative discussed uh, on the forums, which was actually uh, modifying index of or yeah, so I in the first where method and the index of method to instead take a uh, direction parameter. So then you would say something like index of 
10 options dot backwards. Um, you have like dot backwards and dot forwards, I guess, uh, which would be a very like NS foundation kind of approach to this problem. NS foundation uh, or sorry. <laughs> yeah. Foundation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, which I think feels a bit weird. I definitely prefer the, the separate method. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's definitely worth considering this. Um, I don't think I have, uh, uh, like a fully formed opinion on which is better. I think I do lean towards the separate function approach. And according to Nate, uh, his rationale there uh, is the same. And he states that it's um, better suited for the structure of the Swift standard library, which I think is probably a good way to uh, vocalize why, you know, the, this backwards approach feels all foundation-y whereas the separate function approach feels a lot more Swift standard library. Yeah, and I mean, the index of options uh, approach, I mean, it's it's just a lot harder to parse visually. There's a lot more cognitive load there to think, okay, I'm getting this index of this thing and I'm going backwards, whereas I feel like a dot last where is you know, much more yeah. fluid and... Yeah, there's also, um, may maybe it's just me, but when I hear index of backwards, it kind of, I get this brief moment where I think that it's actually the index counting from the back, mm. which is not the case. It's the last index. So it's still um, based from the first index, right? So it's zero based from the start. It's not... You know, say you have 10 items and it's the second from last. The the index backwards, I get this like brief moment where I'm like, oh, it's two because it's two from the back. But it's not. Mm -hmm. It's actually like eight or. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's all we have for this episode. Yeah, just uh, brief, brief things there to, to clarify. Um, there will, so these APIs, both LastWare and LastIndexWare, will um, be added on sequence and collection um, as uh, as specializations, and and they'll also have more efficient implementations for bidirectional collection uh, as well. Nice. And that's kind of, uh, I mean, that's a big theme in the standard library, having uh, these default protocol implementations and then being able to specialize them for concrete types uh, or for um, other protocol types lower in the hierarchy. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, especially in the context of our conversation before about um, set is, yeah. um, you know, how is this useful for unordered uh, collection types or unordered uh, sequences effectively like set? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's an open question for listeners. Yeah. All right, you can find the show on Twitter at Swift underscore Unwrapped. You can find me at Jesse underscore Squires. You can find me on Twitter at SimJP. And our thanks to BitRise for sponsoring the show. You can find them at bitrise.io. Thanks for listening. <laughs>